an amazing place in LA for a, 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 various different things. But um, hey, can we get like some of the house lights on maybe just a little bit, like maybe the back or whatever. I just, I just want to see your face. I want to see, I haven't seen you in weeks. I want to see you. There we go. Amen. Thank you for that spontaneous applause. You know, it's, um, but uh, we were uh, heading out. It was about, it was about 7 30 8 o'clock the sun had already started to set and uh and they said oh man you may not want to go out there it's like it's still like 83 degrees and I went (laughs) oh it's 83 degrees and there's a marine layer are you serious I'm dying to go outside I want to go I want to be outside you know and uh so it's funny perspective right um, so yeah, uh, you know, were you guys blessed the last two weeks with the teachings here that have taken place? Oh my goodness. What a blessing. What a blessing that is. So yes, uh, this morning in God, in God we trust, trusting God with our future. And so um, uh, I, I guess as I was kind of preparing for this time, I was thinking, okay, like why trust God? Why? I mean, really, really, why trust God? Um, uh so, we are to believe in this God that we can't see. Uh, we are to believe that he literally spoke everything into existence um, uh, instantaneously, uh, that he created Adam out of dust and Eve out of the side, maybe a rib or something of Adam, and fashioned her into woman, we're, we're to believe in this ancient document we call the Bible, uh, we're, we're to believe that he sent his own son, Jesus, to, to, to die on a cross for our sins, but d- Jesus didn't just die on the cross, he rose from the dead. We're to believe that this man died and rose from the dead. And today is alive. And, and, and within the, the Bible are all kinds of precepts for living and, 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 and ways to connect with God. And uh, we're to believe in this God who, who uh, we can't see, but the Bible says that the heavens declare his wonder and his glory. So if we can get to a place where there are no lights and we look up, there's something in the universe that tells us that there is a God and somehow this, this maybe couldn't have just come from without a designer. We're, we're, to, believe, we're to believe that and, and we're to b- believe that this God who created all this, stuff, he loves us. I mean, he really does. Like, like he knows your name. Like, you know, he, he, he's in your stuff. Uh, he knows not only just what you say, but why you say it. And not only that, he knew in eternity past that you were going to be you and say what you say and act like. He knew all that about you and that he has chosen us for his name and his glory. And okay, okay, okay. So, so I, I try to put myself back as uh, someone who who I guess I sort of always believed in God, but I really didn't read the Bible much. But if you were to ask me, do you believe in God? Like when I was 25 and I was like far from God. Well, of course I believe in God. Kind of doesn't everyone believe in God? Well, no, I, I probably would have said that. Um, but, but, 
So as I became, you know, sort of my, my mind opened more and more, God was drawing me, and I believe, to, to relationship with Him. And, and then I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to, like my future, like my life, and, and now this is me, this is personal, this is, this is like, like, you know, what I do and where I go and how I live and how I act, and, and, and I'm supposed to take this precious life of mine and, and, you know, maybe I'll have 70 or 80 or, you know, maybe 90 years or, or, or not. I don't know. And, and I'm supposed to trust God for my future that I can't see and I don't know. I'm supposed to believe that, <clears throat> that he will guide me. And, and I'm supposed to have this blind trust in him that, that he's in. And I'm going to give my life to him. I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give my future to him. I can't see him. I mean, I have this book called the Bible, and I believe it's his word, but, you know, uh, wow. And, and I just kind of, I, I've just kind of thought back, and I thought, man, you know, if you put it, like, if you, if you like, knew nothing about God at all, and, 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 and someone presented this story to you, it might be a hard sell, <laughs> Like that person might go, okay, what are you talking about? And, um, and no, so in God we trust, trusting God with our future. And, and I can imagine some people saying like, why would you do that? Because I know when I, when I embraced God and his word and, and I believed in my heart, not just like into, in my heart I believed, there were certain decisions that I had to make that affected my, my future because I believe that God was speaking, whispering to me to do that. And, and there are people who would say, why are you doing that? That makes no sense. And I go, yeah, I know, it doesn't. It doesn't make sense. And so I get that. Can you say amen to that? I get it. I get it. I get it. So we're going to talk about that today. I mean, what will the future bring? I mean, who doesn't want a good future? <laughs> And who, who wouldn't want to know a little bit about what's next, right? I mean, don't people spend a lot of money and time and effort going to people that supposedly will tell you what is going to happen in your life? Aren't, aren't, isn't that a big deal um, uh, with with all the uncertainty in the world and, and, and how life sometimes just throws you a, a not even a curveball, a knuckleball. Wouldn't it be great to know that was coming? Like if you would pay somebody like $500 and you could say, all right, check it out. You're accurate, right? You better be 100% accurate or I'm getting my money back, all right? So I'm going to pay you $100. Tell me what's up the next year in my life. Man, I would so do that if they were accurate. I mean, I mean wouldn't you... Uh, some of y'all looking at me strange, be like, man, I'm trusting in God. I don't know. Hey, listen, I want to know. I want to know. And I don't always get, I'm not always privy to that information. Sometimes God is gracious and he whispers what's on the way, but, but lot, most of the time it's one foot in front of the other. Okay, so Isaac Asimov, that famous writer said, if I were asked to guess what people are generally most insecure about, I would say it is the content of the future. We worry about it 
constantly. Now, going back is easy, right? Hindsight is not 2020, I think hindsight's 2010. Boy, you know in your life, if you could go back, knowing what you know now, and you could go back and make a few changes. How many of you would make a few changes in your life? Anybody at all? Some of y'all maybe would be like, no, man, I wouldn't change a thing. Okay, I get it. Oh, shoot. You could come up here and finish the message because there's a whole, I'm like, I'm not going there because I know. Okay, you get it, right? All right. So um, in 1962, an executive at DECA, y'all ever heard of DECA Records? Not anymore, huh? Yeah, they're gone. Here's why. Uh, part of the reason. They, they, there was a musical quartet that they, that they, this is what they said. Groups with guitars are on the way out. And that little musical quartet was the Beatles. <laughs> Hindsight's 2010, right? The late 1940s was a major electronics firm who decided not to make television set. And this was their reasoning. The problem with television is that people must sit and keep their eyes glued to a screen. And the average American hasn't time for that. They will never sit still long enough. Television will never find a wide acceptance. Oh, swing and a miss. (laughs) Okay, this is a good one right here. Thomas Watson, chairman of IBM. Okay, 1943. Get it. I mean, this thing here does more than the computers in 1943 could do. All right? I hold it in my hand. He said, I think there's a world market for maybe five computers. Hindsight. So today, trusting God with our future. Why? There's a key, a, a, a key scripture we've been looking at. It's in the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. The New Living Translation says it this way. Can we read it all together? Ready, go. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. One scripture says, in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your step. I was, um, you know how our phones or our laptop, you can uh, uh, kind of um, dictate and it'll write things down. So I was dictating in my laptop that scripture verse and this is how it came out as it was written. And I I put my voice right up next to it so I could get it right. And it said, um, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not understand. Seek his YouTube. (laughs) I said, how do you get, how do you get your, how do you, I wanted to call whoever, how do you get, anyway, you ever, you know, transcribe something and then you read it later and went, oh, I can't believe I said that, no, you got to check that stuff, but wouldn't it be great if there was a YouTube, God's YouTube, okay, what do I do with this, boom, got it, how did you know how to do that, God YouTube, man, God YouTube, it went, no, okay. Wouldn't it be great if, that, if it was that easy? So today, so today, maybe um, you're, you're here and you're, you're, just, you're just kind of seeking God. You know, you're, you're open. You know, I mean, you probably wouldn't, you probably wouldn't be here if you weren't at least a little open to God. And you know what? Thank you for being here. Thank you for being here. Um, maybe you're searching and, 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 and you're wondering, should I, should I trust in this God? that you're talking about. Or maybe, maybe you're, you're here and you feel like you have a relationship with him, but you don't have clear 
guidance. Like the GPS is a little fuzzy. Uh, you're not real sure. You know what? I'm glad you're here too. Uh, maybe maybe you've, you've heard something and God's whispered to you and, and, and you're waiting. And Pastor Jonathan, speaking about waiting, if you haven't heard that, you want to hear that message. Uh, maybe you, you, you're waiting and you're like, God, I don't know how this is, how is this supposed to happen? And it has to do with the future. It's, it's, not, it's not for now, but, but there's a waiting. Um, well, maybe you've been in a place where you're walking in that vision and that direction, but all of a sudden God sometimes says, you know what, we're going to take a, a left turn. Boom, you go, whoa, okay, how does that work? How am I supposed to process that? You know what, glad you're here. You're welcome. You're, you know, you're welcome in this place. You are. Don't, don't, uh, wherever, wherever you are in that spectrum of, of, of your journey, you are welcome here. Uh, this is a safe place to find out about God. This is, this is, we want, we want it to be that. And so let me just give you one faith point here. And that is that when you're trusting God for your future, be busy being a kingdom man or a kingdom woman. When you're trusting God for your future, be busy. Or I could say, stay busy. Or if in the Hawaiian culture, stay. Just stay. Stay busy. Um, being a kingdom man or a kingdom woman. Here's what I mean by that. As we read the, uh, God's word, uh, we, we hear and see God calling people to things. And, and many of them are just are just just busy doing life, right? Like Amos, my guy Amos in the Old Testament prophet was a farmer, a sycamore tree farmer when he was called. Eh? That's what he was doing. How about Moses? Moses is tending sheep on the backside of the wilderness when he sees a bush that's burning and he looks and it's still burning and and it's still burning and God calls him to go and deliver his people, right? Elisha was plowing a field. I mean, how spiritual is that? Turns out it's very spiritual because he's busy being a kingdom man. When Elijah, the great prophet, calls him to join him. You remember what uh, the great psalmist of Israel, we're going to talk about him today, was doing when he got called King David? What was he doing? He was just a dude out shepherding sheep. He wasn't even invited to the Just busy being a kingdom guy, shepherding the sheep. David, prophet wants to meet you. Get in the house. What? Oh, right? And he goes, and, and if you don't know the story, he becomes the greatest king of all time for the nation of Israel and maybe that the world's ever seen. Um, king Saul was busy just being obedient to his dad. He's out looking for lost donkeys when he runs into Samuel and gets anointed as the next king. By the way, King David gets anointed as king, and he, after the party's over, do you know where he goes? He goes right back to tending to the sheep, like, okay, that's what happens. And so Matthew in the New Testament, the apostle, uh, was busy collecting taxes, okay? Uh, Peter uh, was fishing. How many of you guys like that one? You're like, yeah, I'm fishing, Lord. What? Say what? Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of what? Drop their nets, and they follow Jesus, right? Like that. Uh, And so a kingdom man is busy where he's planted, okay? We're talking about trusting God for our future, but be busy where you're planted today. A kingdom woman isn't worried about missing God's will or God's call because she knows she's in the middle of it right where she is. 
um, uh, she, she depends on God to open and close doors. And we're going to talk about that this, this morning. Uh, these kingdom people, they're, they're busy being, not busy doing. See, we're human beings, and God wants us to be before we do. And sometimes we're so busy doing that we're not being. But I think he's more concerned about the being than the doing. Uh, Busy being first, then doing. And I wrote this down. Don't miss today looking towards the future. Don't miss today looking towards the future. If if you want to turn to your smartphone or whatever you might have, your Bible, to 1 Samuel chapter 24. We're going to look at two different aspects of this, the life of King David. Let me give you a little backdrop because it's important to do that, all right? <clears throat> King Saul uh, has ascended to the throne, and he's, he started off really good, but things have gone really bad for him, all right? He's made some bad decisions. He, he, he's become political. He's put the people in front of the will of God, and, and things are not going well. Um, and, and, and so he's, he's going to get replaced. Uh, this was the people's choice, but not necessarily the one that God, God kind of gave them what they wanted and it didn't work out. Uh, but anyway, uh, so he's going to get replaced by King David. Now, um, <clears throat> uh, David has already been anointed as the new king by the prophet Samuel, but, but not yet. So he's got that direction. He's got that under the prophet has already anointed. That's coming, but, but not yet because there's already a king in power. And so David's got to be real careful how he handles this transition. Okay, and so, so Saul, in his jealous rage, like, like spends the last half of his, of his life trying to kill David. I mean, he's lost his mind, really. And, and he wants to kill this boy. He can't stand him. Um, and so um, uh, he, he spends his time doing that. Now, he finds out that David is, is on the run. David's running for his life, and he's at this place called En Gedi. And you can actually, if you go to Israel, you can actually visit this place. Now, you go, you know, the Dead Sea is this barren, dry, hot, miserable area. I know, sounds like Las Vegas, huh? You're all thinking, that sounds like my backyard. <laughs> yeah, right, I get it, right? I mean, it's, but, but you know, people go there and they, they float in the waters and put the mud all over them. It's very therapeutic and it's, it's, it's one of the things you, you got it. You got to see the Dead Sea. But, but as you make your way up to Jerusalem, and by the way, wherever you are in Israel, when you go to Jerusalem, it's always up to Jerusalem, I mean, you could be at Mount Hermon, you know, and, and, and still, you've got to go down to get up, but it's still, you go up to Jerusalem, the holy city. Anyway, um, and so uh, as you make your way up to Jerusalem, and literally you do from the Dead Sea, uh, there's this, 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 this amazing oasis. It's this, it's, it's dry, it's barren. I mean, imagine this at Red Rock. You can, and, and I mean, like, you kind of get the picture. Uh, just like, I mean, you could not get to this place if it was at Red Rock because of all the crowds of people that would be there, okay? And, and so, so David is on the run, and he's got about 600 men with him, and he's, he's here in this place, and he's, there's refreshment. But, but also, not, not only is there that, there's these desert caves, 
And, and so they are these very strategic hiding places. And so it was very, being a military man, David knew that this place was a stronghold. He also knew that it was a place of refreshment. And so um, uh, that's where he's sort of held up, okay? Now, David, uh, he, uh, Saul hears that David is in the wilderness of, of En Gedi. And so he grabs 3,000 men and, and he's going to get David. And this is the end. He's going to take this young man out to preserve his, his, his kingdom. And, and so um, uh, now he, he doesn't know that David and his, give or take, 600 men are hiding in a cave. So it's a big cave, okay? Uh, but, but they're deep and they're big. Some of them are. And, 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 and he, he doesn't know this, but, but he's... he's King Saul has to go, and I love what the, he has to go relieve himself. Uh, he needs a potty break, Saul does. I mean, like, okay, that's what I love about the Bible. I mean, what, what ancient book about God tells you about guys that got to go to the bathroom? <laughs> it's like, it's like, you know, that's, and it, and it turns out it's important. You know, it, it's important. So uh, not knowing that David and his men are in the back of the cave. Okay, he doesn't know that. Um, and so David's men, because, you know, in these strategic strongholds, you look out, 3,000 men are coming. You see it. So they knew. They knew that, that the king was on his way with all these men. They hide up in this cave, and it's like everyone quiet. And then, and then as they're, you know, peeking out or whatever, all of a sudden, in walks King Saul, and he's going to the bathroom, so he's all by himself, and it's dark. You can't see. If you've ever been in a cave, you know it's, it's cloth black. It's dark, and so um, uh, David's men are whispering, this is it. This is our time. God said he would deliver your enemy into your hand. Uh, David, take him out. Let us take them out. Then all of our problems are going to be solved. And so Saul, this is like, this is amazing. Saul, you know, David gets so close to Saul. I don't know how this happened, but David walks up behind him and he, and he takes the edge of his robe and he cuts some of it off. <laughs> and like, and David, Saul's humming, you know, you know, maybe, I don't know what he's doing. It doesn't tell us. Reading the Jerusalem Times, I don't know. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know. And, and he cuts off the edge of his robe. He does. And he doesn't kill him. He, he, it's like he won't do it. But, it. but his conscience begins to bother him that he cut off the edge of his robe. Because, you know, he sees this man as God's king. This is the one that God has in this place. And I've dishonored him. I've disrespected him. In verse 6, this is what it says in 1 Samuel 24. It says, The Lord forbid that I should attack the Lord's anointed one, for the Lord himself has chosen him. So David restrained his men and did not let them kill Saul. It's the perfect opportunity, David. I mean, you've already been anointed by Samuel the prophet. Why won't you do This has to be the Lord. Think of it. We're in the cave Okay, of all the caves of Engedi, uh, Saul happens to choose this one. He's all by himself. 
we could take them out and, I mean, eventually someone's going to come in and look for them, but then it's on and it's a surprise attack. I mean, everything is, you know, the right cave at the right time. Surely this is the Lord. What are the odds of this happening? And David says, no, no, that's not how we roll. <laughs> that's not how we, how we create our future. And, and so this set of circumstances was arranged by God, and it was arranged by God so that David would trust the Lord in his future. It was to test David. It was to train David. It was, it was to show his men the heart of this amazing king who had the opportunity to kill really his enemy and, and didn't do it so he could trust the Lord with his future. I wrote this down. If the, if the Lord chose him to be king, the Lord would have to move him to the palace. That's what David was saying. Yes, I've been anointed as king, but guess what? I'm not going to force that and make it happen. God's going to have to do it. And you know what? The Lord did. The Lord did. Well, fast forward to go to 2 Samuel chapter 16, and that's just, to me, an amazing story in and of itself. But I want to give you another example. Um, <clears throat> David's, um, it's, it's further along in his, in his kingdom. He's now established as the king. King, king Saul is, is gone uh, he's, he's dead, and, uh, and, 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 and David's doing well. He's doing well, but, but things are not well in his home. Thing, David's doing well on the throne, but things are not well in his home. Multiple wives, multiple kids, you know, different, different you know, David's, you know, you know, in David's house, it wasn't who's your daddy, it's who's your mama, you know. I mean, just, it's, and that created all kinds of problems. One son, Amnon, rapes his half-sister. And, and then the other son, uh, the other, uh, her brother, Absalom, kills Amnon. Then he's running for his life. And you, you just get this picture that this man was such an amazing, amazing king. But at home, there were things that were just not good and not well. And there were. So it's a hard situation now because Absalom makes his way back to the kingdom and, and uh, you know, David doesn't see him for a, a stretch of time. And then finally he, and he loves Absalom. He loves him so much. And, and Absalom is just not a good dude. And, and so he goes to the city gates and he starts swaying the heart of the people. You know, the city gates is where all the transactions say, well, King David's not going to the city gates. That's not, you know, but so Absalom shows up. And, oh, if I were king, I'll tell you what I would do. But, you know, I'm not. And, uh, and he sways the heart of the people. He does. He does. And, and, he, and he usurps his, his father's kingdom. Now, before we get to that, um, uh, David, before he became king, uh, worked as the worship leader for King Saul. This is before Saul completely lost his mind. Uh, Saul was being tormented by evil spirits. David would come and play his harp, and, and they would leave because he was anointed by God to do that. Uh, but David had developed a great, great relationship with King Saul's son, Jonathan. Maybe you've heard the story of David and Jonathan and the love that they had for one another. On one occasion, Jonathan actually saved David's life, put his own life in peril. And also, um, Jonathan would eventually die in battle, 
So when David became king, he wanted to express his, his, his love for Jonathan. And so he asked one of his servants, hey, hey, does Jonathan have any other sons that I can bless? And, and it's like, well, there is one son, his name is Mephibosheth, but, but he's lame in his feet. He's crippled because of an injury that happened as they, as, as they, when he was a young boy. And he was, uh, someone was taking him and he was running for his life. They believed that they would be killed, which typically happened in Eastern culture. And, and, he, um, and he's lame. And, and, and so David says, bring him to me. Uh, this, this young man, he's crippled. He, he can't work. He's going to be a beggar. David shows kindness to this young man, Mephibosheth. He restores his fortune, and he makes him a permanent dinner guest at his table. David says this. He goes, we will not eat until Mephibosheth shows up. Uh, so he brings him into fellowship. He anoints one of David's, uh, one of Mephibosheth's servants. His name is Ziba. Everybody say Ziba. Take care of all that Mephibosheth has. And so anyway, fast forward to David's running for his life. Absalom is wanting to kill him. And so while David is running, this is another situation where he's running. uh, Ziba comes with all of these provisions and all of these supplies and says, here you go. David, here's raisins and dates and here's wine for your men. And, 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 And David's like, well, man, you know, like, thank you, right? And like, hey, what about Mephibosheth? And he goes, oh, you know what? He's uh, actually, he's turned. He's waiting in Jerusalem, and he's waiting to take the kingdom back. And so if you're David, you're, you're, you're on the run from your son. And then you get this news. And I just wonder if he thought, are you kidding me? I mean, I, man, I took this man. He had no, and now he, now he wants my throne too? That's a bad day at the office, right? You know, sometimes it rains and it pours. Oh, man. So let me fast forward that because things are going to get worse. And there's another man in this story we're going to read about. His name is Shimei, and he's a distant relative of King Saul. We're talking about trusting God with our future. Let me get through this. This is in 2 Samuel chapter 16, verse 5, and I'll just read the text, and then we'll break it up, and we'll be done. It says, in King David came to Bahurim, when he came, as King David came to Bahom, a man came out of the village cursing them. Remember, David is running for his life from his son Absalom. It was Shimei, son of Gera, of the same clan as Saul's family. He threw stones at the king and the king's officers and all the mighty warriors who surrounded them. Get out of here, you murderer, you scoundrel, he shouted at David. The Lord is paying you back for all the bloodshed in Saul's clan. You stole his throne And now the Lord has given it to your son Absalom. At last you will taste some of your own medicine for you're a murderer. Why should this dead dog curse the Lord my king? Abishai, son of Zariah, demanded. Let me go over and cut off his head. (laughs) Ouch. Okay. No, King David said. Who asked your opinion, you sons of Zariah? If the Lord has chosen him to curse me, who are you to stop him? Then David said to Abishai and all his servants, My own son is trying to kill me. Doesn't this relative of Saul have even more reason to do so? Leave him alone and let him curse, for the Lord has told him to do it. And perhaps the Lord will see that I am being wrong and will bless me because of these curses today. So David and his men continued down the road, and Shimei kept pace with them on a nearby hillside, cursing 
and throwing stones and dirt at King David. The king and all who were with him grew weary along the way. So they rested when they reached the River Jordan. Trusting God with the future. David saw the sovereign hand of God in every circumstance. The good, the bad, and the ugly. He knew that God was able to quiet Shimei. I don't know too many men who would take that. Maybe women too, I don't know. I'm not trying to be stereotypical at all. I don't know too many people that would say, you know what, let him curse. Let him throw dirt. Oh, that would hurt. <gasps> the whole way to the... I, I, I know, but, but there was something about this man, David, that trusted God that's an example to all of us in this difficult, difficult situation. David knew that God's hand was on the future as well as the present. He said, and perhaps the Lord will see that I'm being wronged and will bless me because of these curses today. David knew that if he did what was right in the present, God would take care of the future. Being a kingdom man means honoring God where you are today in this tough, unbelievable situation. I can't even imagine it. <clears throat> David trusted God for his future, whatever that looked like. Let me just say this. What happened here is not good. This is not like, well, whatever, man, I just gonna have to take one for the Lord today. I can't even imagine how David dealt with this. I, I, I can't even imagine. You, I, I don't, depression, I don't even know what to call it. I mean, your own son. And then this knucklehead. And by the way, I don't even know if I'm ever going to be king again. What about all your problems? I mean, you talk about an opportunity to blame God. Hey, God, you anointed me king. What's up with this? I mean, he had a reason to complain. He had a reason to be angry. And I'm sure all those things churned in his heart. But what happens, this is not good. And I think sometimes people think that when we say we trust in God, that when hard, difficult things happen, we just go, oh, well, I'm just trusting God. No, we're trying. We're holding on. And there are times when that's all you got. David's holding on. He's got nothing else. He's got some men beside him. He's got someone casting stones and dirt at him. I can't imagine how alone he felt in the midst of all these people. This is not good. What Shimei did was terrible. And he would be accountable for it one day. He would. In his book, A Tale of Three Kings, Gene Edwards put these words into the mouth of King David. He says, throne is not mine. Not to have, not to take, not to protect, and not to keep. The throne 
is the Lord's. God, give us a heart to trust you in the hardest of times. Meet us along that road. And we're all going to have those journeys, right? Meet us, God. When we don't know what tomorrow holds, God, would you meet us in that? So let me get back to my opening question. Why trust God? <laughs> and, and, and maybe you've never gone through like a tragedy in your life. And you could say, hey, man, I don't trust God. I, I'm, I'm living pretty good and I'm, I'm doing well and I've not had some massive thing that's happened to me. And I say, good for you. Good for you. May it continue to be that way for you. Sometimes there comes that curveball. And it's like, didn't see that one coming. So why trust God? Um, I'm going to read a scripture out of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. The Apostle Paul gives us a little bit of insight on why he trusted. He says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also be with him? How will we not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? That's God's people. It is God who justifies. Uh, who, who is to condemn? Jesus Christ is the one who died. More than that, he was raised who is at the right hand of God, indeed is interceding for us, who shall separate us from the love of God? So tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, uh, or danger, or sword. And then Paul the Apostle, if you're, doing, if you're a math person, he draws a line and says, let me, just, let me just summarize it for you. And he says, no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. By the way, Paul the Apostle, according to tradition, the best historical records say that he was beheaded in Rome. Doesn't sound like a conqueror to me. Oh, but yes, he is and was. Yes, yes. All right, so I'll wrap it up by saying these things to you. God doesn't do anything in his sovereign will that isn't both wise and loving. I think David determined that in his heart. That there's something here, God, that's wise and loving. I don't know what it is. God is sovereign. He's working behind the scenes, bringing everything together according to his plan and his will. Paul the Apostle said, if God is for you, who can be against you? How would you feel, even in the midst of a difficult, difficult time, if God somehow showed up and said to you, I got you, don't worry, it's going to be okay, I'm with you. If he spoke it audibly or if, I don't know how, God's got an infinite number of ways to speak to his people. If he says, you know what, I know this is hard for you, I know it is, I'm with you, we're going to do this together, you're going to be all right. 
You'd be like, okay, no, man, I just heard from God. It's going to be all right. I mean, it's not going to change the situation, but it might change your perspective in it, right? And if God's for you, who can be against you? Now, we we don't trust in God because someone tells us to. We trust in God because of who he is, his character. He's holy. He's, he's the awesome God. He's, he's righteous in every way. We, we can trust God because we, we, we don't serve a God who is only sovereign and wise, but he's also loving. And this is, this is my bottom line to you this morning. God is infinitely loving. Listen to me. Living grace. And I'm speaking to my own heart. He loves you. He loves you. Unlike anyone, anything, or any dimension, or any definition of that you've ever experienced. He loves you. And that's something we need to hear often. He loves you. He's infinitely loving. And he desires a relationship with you and with me. He is with you. He's with you. Well, I don't feel it. I don't know if David felt it that day or not. Maybe he did. He's with you. Let me just kind of conclude by saying this. Um, we, we, you know, I, I've shared bits and pieces of my childhood and, and, and growing up, you know, the first eight to ten years were tough. And there are others who had it way harder than I did. But I grew up alcoholic dad, angry man. Um, There were times where hmm, it's amazing how this happens. There were times where my home was a war zone. It was. But I was tough. Others had it far worse than I did. I understand that. And um, and I just recently kind of brought that to the Lord. I said, what was up with that? I mean, why? And I've, I've, I don't have any bitterness towards that or anger. And I mean, it wasn't good. <laughs> it wasn't right. It's part of my journey. You have your journey too. Some of you could come up here and cry and tell your story too. In fact, you should. <laughs> so it's not just me, right? But um, pretty tough stuff. And I recently was just like bringing that before the Lord, saying, God, what, what about all that? I mean, man, I mean, I mean, you're talking about I couldn't get a break. And anyway, I, I, just, I just felt in my heart that God whispered and said, you know what? What happened? That was not my will. And that I hurt with you in that time. And then he said, and again, not audibly, or I just in my heart felt like the Lord said, I was with you. You were not alone. I'm a 57-year-old man. I'm up here crying about when I was eight. (laughs) Is that crazy? That's crazy. 
And it was, and, 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 I, and if you would have asked me, well, was God with you during that time? I would have said, yes, God was with me. But there's, there's one thing to know, like intellectually, that God is with you. It's a whole other thing when he tells you, I was with you. You are not alone. And I'm with you today. And because of my great love for you, the purposes and the plans that I have for you, I will be with you tomorrow. That's why. I think you should trust God for your future. That's why. Let's all stand, shall we? And Lord Jesus, we, um, we are thankful for your grace and for your mercy. We are thankful that you're here with us. We're thankful for the awesome example of these men and women in the Bible. <laughs> Lord, you preserve the minutest details and then we find out there's a purpose behind it. There's a reason Saul had to go potty. <laughs> he thought it was that hummus he had that morning. No, it wasn't, God. It was you. You directed him to the cave. You di- it's just mind-boggling, your level of detail. As one friend of mine used to say, to the nth degree. To the infinite degree, you are involved in every aspect of our life. God, we thank you for that. Lord, we, uh, there are some here that are going through a rough patch. They're on that donkey headed away from Jerusalem, and Shimei is just on the side throwing dirt and casting stones. And there are others, God, who just um, um, recognize their, their need for you. Maybe it's not emotional thing, but just in the core of who they are, they realize, man, I need God. I, I, I need this God of love. And so, God, that you would speak to your people and that you would touch your people. Lord, would you, would you love your people today in a, in a profound way? Would you, would you wink at them? Would you say, that's my girl? Oh, that's my guy. That's my son. That's my daughter. And would you, would you draw us close to you? God, we love you, and we, we, are, we are walking this journey, and thank you for leading us and guiding us. We need that. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for your grace. Be glorified in this place and in our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name, that we trust in you. Everybody said? Amen. Two things before you go. <clears throat> One is, um, amen. We have a prayer team that makes their way up here. And, and, and let me just say, 